Welcome back to Bodies in the Bayous. I'm Morgan. And I'm Gretchen. This is season three, Back to the Killing Fields. This season, we are revisiting the Texas Killing Fields. In the following episodes, we will cover a broader area. This is in an effort to connect some of the cases covered in season one. We plan to bring to you some of the known serial killers in this broader area that may have murdered some of the women in the Texas Killing Fields. We will also cover some of the victims that we did not cover in season one. Season three, Back to the Texas Killing Fields, episode two, Kate Rich. So when we left you off on the last episode, we were talking about um, the background of Henry Lee Lucas and how he meets up with Otis Toole. So this episode talks a little bit about the first trip that we know of that they make to this area where they could have been involved in anything on the um, Texas Killing Fields. So Otis Toole, Henry Lee Lucas, as well as the nephew Frank and the niece Becky take off on this road trip to try to end up in uh, California. So records do have them stopping in Houston. Henry Lee Lucas actually um, gave blood in Houston. And so we have that record there that they were here and then they make it to del rio where the car stops working so as a group they began to hop trains ended up in tucson arizona at this point the group decides to turn around and basically what lucas says about this is that the kids really wanted to go back to florida and so they made the decision that they're in tucson arizona so they're going to hop trains and head back to florida so they do arrive back in florida they're in florida for a short period of time lucas then steals a truck from a friend and he heads up to delaware in june of 1981. lucas and tool i'm sorry tool was with him so they head up to delaware they're in delaware for a short period of time tool ends up coming back to florida but why Lucas is in Delaware, he makes his way to Virginia. He's arrested for the car theft. He spends several months in jail then. And then he's released October 6th of 1981. He manages to get his probation to go to Florida. And so Lucas returns to Florida, live with Otis Toole, Otis Toole's wife, and again, Becky and Frank. So there's some custody issues that happen here. The kids end up going back to the mother for a short period of time. She commits suicide. And um, so they're basically placed as a ward of the state. At some point in time with that ward of the state, um, Lucas and Becky are still in communication. So Becky um, basically heads to where the family's staying, where Otis Toole and, um, and Lucas are living. And so um, she heads out there. What's interesting also about this is that, so in all 
all of these records, she's referred to as Becky quite often. We do know that her uh, name that she was born with was Frida. And when the family of Becky talk about her, they actually refer to her as Angel. That was her nickname. It was Lucas who gave her the nickname Becky. Hmm. So, so Lucas and Becky, she leaves the group home, finds her way home. At that point in time, Lucas kind of finds out that, um, that basically the state is searching for Becky. And so in order to get her back into the, the group home that she was in, I think also what's going on here is that family members, including a step grandfather are really starting to notice that this is an inappropriate relationship. And so they're, they're trying to separate these two too. And so the state has kind of gotten involved. And at that point in time, Becky takes off with Henry Lee Lucas, they end up uh, hitchhiking and going to California. So they're now trying to complete this trip that they had taken earlier and head out to California. While they're out in California, they actually meet up with a couple. Lucas befriends um, the Smiths. It's um, her and her husband. They were able to um, convince the Smiths to allow them to stay with them. So they kind of moved in with the Smiths at that point in time when they're in California. They're um, working at their antique store to kind of help the Smiths out. Uh, it's kind of this quick pro co relationship. We'll give you a place to stay if you help us out. Um, during that period of time, Lucas is introducing Becky as his wife. Oh, wow. So, um, and I'm guessing that nobody was finding you know, this relationship to be as odd. Maybe she looked a little bit older, um, but the, certainly didn't draw a whole lot of attention at that point. While they're in California, though, Becky does reach out to a former stepfather of hers, telling him that she was in California and that she wanted to come home. He spoke to the woman at the house, which would have been the Smiths. Um, and she said she would put Be Becky on a bus if she had people to take care of her. He assured her that she had family and they would be taken, that she would be taken care of. So they actually expected that Becky would be returning home, but she never did. Instead, the Smiths thought that Becky and Lucas would be able to help out Mrs. Smith's mother. So it was arranged that the couple would leave to help out Mrs. Smith's mother, a woman named Kate Rich. They would do that, live on the property in exchange for doing odd jobs. Mrs. Rich was a widow living in Ringgold, uh, Texas. This is a small town, about 400 people. She was a mother of 11 children. She was born in 1902 in Louisiana. She married Hiram Rich in 1919 in Texas, and they moved to Ringgold in 1941. Her husband died in 1948. So these are kind of the facts that I've gotten about Kate Rich. The problem with this is I'm not quite sure that it really adds up because I don't have her having a second husband, and yet she has these 11 children. So if they're only married from 1941 to 1948, some of the children have to come from somewhere else. Right. But right. 
in trying to track that down, I haven't been able to quite find the information of where, where that is. Mm -hmm. Um, so what were Becky and Lucas supposed to be doing for her? So she lived on a property, um, that was kind of run down. And so the idea was that they would basically help her out with like yard work and housework, um, keeping up the property, doing odd jobs, going to town for her. I mean, she's quite up in age at that point in time. And, um, she's not as mobile as she used to be due to a broken pelvis that she had a few years before. And so unless someone picked her up and drove her to someone where she basically stayed at the house, um, she didn't drive. She was able to, she did have a house that she purchased in 1969. And I thought this was interesting. She purchases this house in 1969 and her mortgage payments were $25 a month. <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? So she did have a housekeeper, but she was, um, about five, five, 200 pounds. She walked with a limp. Um, she had a lot of trouble carrying her kind of carrying her weight and shifting and stuff like that. So I think, you know, they were thinking live in help might help her out. But remember she had those 11 children of the 11 children. She had nine living at that point. And at that point in 1982, she also has 31 grandchildren. So there's a lot of people, if you think about it, who are not all of them are out of the Ringgold area. There's a lot of people who kind of have an opinion about what should happen to her. You know, she was living independently for a while at that point. And so um, her family didn't necessarily like, this is one daughter's opinion that maybe these people would be great to move in with her. It wasn't, it wasn't like they got a hold of the whole family and had an agreement on that. And um, so I think, you know, a little more conversation might have helped some of the situation. But one of the things is that apparently she did, Kate Rich had a very big heart. And so she was known to take in hobos at the time. So anyway, they arranged for Becky and Lucas to travel to Texas to take care of her in May of 1982. So Lucas and Becky arrive at Mrs. Rich's property and they're really only there for four days before one of her children gets involved one of her daughters gets involved and says, no, this isn't happening. This is not a good situation. That's a quick eviction. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Obviously she sussed them up in a short period of time. Yeah. You know, um, and one of the things that comes out in this is that in the short four days that they had been there, Lucas has actually already written two checks to the grocery store for cigarettes and pop. Wow for $25 a piece. Now, Mrs. Rich actually lives on a total of $250 a month. Yeah, that's a lot. So that's quite a bit of her money. And that's only in four days. I mean, I highly doubt she gave him the checkbook on the first day. <laughs> so I just took it. Yeah. Um, so Lucas and Becky, obviously having that great relationship with, uh, Mrs. Rich's other child in California contact her and say, Hey, by the way, we're getting kicked off the property by your sister. And now we're destitute and you have us out here. And so she and her husband decide to Western union them, uh, 80 bucks. 
Wow, that's a lot. I mean, for that time, it's a lot. But, yeah. I mean, obviously, their spending habits are a lot then, too, because I'd be gone, like, two days with them. Three days. <laughs> on just cigarettes and pop. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> what we do know about him later on in life, and I'm sure at the same period of time, is that he was quite the chain smoker. So, that was probably... Yeah, but what were cigarettes? Dollar a pack? 82 i don't know i have to look that up you but know? yeah i don't i mean not what you're paying nowadays no i mean it had to be something yeah. relatively cheap i would think so um so they begin to hitchhike to wichita falls texas because that's the nearest place that has a western union at that point um along the road as they're hitchhiking a man named reuben moore picks them up and he decides to take them up there to uh the western union so that they can pick up their money at that point by the time they actually finally get up there the um it the place is closed and so they can't get their money so reuben moore he's an older gentleman he allows becky and lucas to stay on his property no his property is located in stoneburg texas Stoneberg and Ringwald Gold are only about 12 miles from each other. So in Stoneberg, what he has is he's got this ranch of four buildings. It was formerly a chicken farm, and he's converted that into a church and campground. Oh, wow. So um, kind of more like a hippie colony like type retreat, church. Like uh, yeah, not quite what you would think of as the churchy retreat today you know more of this home for kind of the downtrodden and lost mm -hmm. so lucas fits right i in. guess right in. um <laughs> some of the buildings have been converted to apartments why others are used more for more to minister to those people who stayed on the property lucas also works for more as a roofer and a handyman um while he and becky are allowed to live in this small apartment which actually used to be a chicken coop um so becky is with there on that property until about the end of august when she starts complaining that she wants to go back to florida i don't think that this was new i think that she has consistently said that she wanted to go home it seems like any time that she got the opportunity to reach out to family that she had there she was expressing that she wanted to well, go home. and she was so young too i mean he's manipulating her oh yeah all over the place so there's got to be points where she just you know has those i guess where her limits are pushed you know yeah. to where she just breaks down probably I well and she's she's being sexually abused yeah, by sure. him so I mean, I mean she is looking for any way to get out of this situation mm -hmm. um so at that point in time um lucas gets a ride from a gentleman um to a nearby town and he says lucas and becky get a ride from this gentleman to a nearby town stating that lucas says he can't allow becky to go back to florida on her own she'll never make it so they take off and then two days later lucas arrives back at the chicken farm church type thing without becky and he explains to everybody that um while he was up in uh, Denton that Becky hitched a ride with the truck driver and just took off. Hmm. 
I don't know that anybody really found this surprising, seeing as how much she wanted to leave. I think people really took him at his word. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's there kind of hanging out, still working uh, for more for a while. So Lucas is working on the chicken farm. There's no reason that anybody suspects anything has gone wrong or anything like that, but police begin to look into the fact that Kate Rich was last seen by her housekeeper on September 16th. When her housekeeper returned the next day, the house was latched. And so she believed the 80 year old woman had gone to visit her daughter in um, Bellevue, Texas. It was not until Mrs. Rich's daughter called the housekeeper because she had not heard from her mother that anyone knew she was missing. With such a big family, it was thought that she could be visiting one of her children or grandchildren. Remember, she's got nine children living at this time and 32 grandchildren. Right. Um, and uh, many of these grandchildren are old enough that they have their own homes and families. So it's not unusual. But what is unusual is that she wouldn't have let family know that that was going on. Remember, she doesn't drive. Right. So it's not like she would have just driven off to hang out with somebody. I mean, yeah, somebody would have to come pick her up or right. they'd have to drive her there. Yeah. So, yeah. And so there have been some disputing in the family over putting her in a nursing home. So some thought as this goes on back and forth of trying to get a hold of different people was that they did think that maybe somebody was hiding her. You know, in order to avoid her being put in the nursing home. Like other family members? Right. Okay. Remember, it doesn't seem like, I mean, you don't have cell phones as much or Facebook. And so a lot of the technology that we use nowadays is not used. So they would have been either calling each other on the phone or sending letters um, to get a hold of each other. So when you have, I think, those family disputes, an extended period of time can go on without having any conversation. And... The, the family in California wasn't doing a whole lot of talking to the family in Texas anyway when they decided to move two people in. With right, her. right. <laughs> so you can see where this family does have some disputes. But eventually, the family does contact the um, Ringgold police um, and says she's missing. At that time, the police began to look deeper into what was going on. And so they did come across the fact that Lucas had lived there. Um, now it's only 12 miles away. So they um, do start kind of searching the area and they do end up kind of trying to figure out if they can talk to him to see possibly when he, the last time he had talked to um, Mrs. Rich. When they're doing this deeper dive into him, they find out that Lucas was driving a 1966 blue Ford and that that blue Ford had been abandoned in California on September 21st near Needles, California on I-40. The officer who was in charge of the case said that there was blood found in the car and the blood was said to be human. Hmm. So at this point, they're really, you know, starting to get worried about what has happened. Lucas at this point is starting to make his way back again to the chicken farm. Right. Um, then in October of 19 of 1982, Mrs. Rich's house burned down. Mysteriously. Well, and that's what police say. I mean, 
their police are looking at it as a possible arson. But one of the problems here is they don't believe that anybody would have a reason to burn it down. Hmm. Like, it's not like you're going out there for money or anything like that. So why has this house mysteriously burned down? You know? Um, so now the police have made contact with Lucas and he voluntarily has agreed to come in and talk to them. Um, and he admitted to knowing her, but said he knew nothing of her disappearance. And at the time of the interview, police found that Lucas had this warrant out of Maryland again, because remember, so he was charged with that car theft and then that car theft, um, his probation was transferred to Florida. And then he decides to wander about to California and to all parts of the world. And so he's not keeping up with that probation. And so that basically goes back to Maryland. So at that point in time, police decide to hold him. But so they hold him for a couple of days, but then Marilyn says, we're not going to extradite him over this. And so he's released on November 2nd, 1982. Again, so police are still trying to find out what's going on. Now, nobody's heard for from Kate in the longest time. Right. And, you know, no, none of her family members have heard. Everybody's really concerned. And the house is burnt down now. The house is burnt down. Obviously she hasn't come out and said, Oh my gosh, what has happened to my house? Um, and so now they're definitely getting concerned. So a little bit of a confusion here, but what actually happens is another County picks Lucas's Lucas up on a legal firearm charge. Picking him up on the charge, it seemed that police were able to lo were still not able to locate Mrs. Rich. And so they had questions about his possible involvement with that. And the weapons charge gave them basically a reason to pick him up. And so this is kind of a convoluted thing that happens, but what happens is they get another guy at the house of prayer, which is, I guess what, what now the chicken farm thing is being called is now the house of prayer. So they get somebody at the house of prayer to start talking to them about Lucas in that conversation. This person named uh, Gilbert Beagle says, Oh, well, I gave him a 22 caliber pistol. Well, because he's on probation for many things. Um, and he's a felon for murdering his mother, right? He can't have that this gives them the ability to pick him up police were no closer to finding uh mrs rich and um but at the time a hunter had found her purse located around um fm 1806 in stonebird texas on december 2nd 1982. okay FM, it, for those of you who are not living in the Texas area, stands to for Farm to Market Road, mm -hmm. uh, 1806. So after spending a couple days in jail, a little bit of time in jail, um, Lucas admits to one of the jailers, a guy named Joe Weaver, that he had actually killed Kate Rich. And he just wanted to clear things up. And so at that point in time, they get in the Texas Rangers and the Texas Rangers start questioning him. Um, 
So when the Texas Rangers start questioning him, he also, at that point, admits to killing Becky. Oh, wow. So um, he basically tells this long story about how um, he and Becky had gotten into an argument over her wanting to return to Florida. And so he had killed her and buried her body in Denton. And then he tells um, police about how he had gone to Kate Rich's property, basically under the guise that he was going to take her um, to, and I'm for, there's a couple different places. Like he may have said that he was going to take her to, um, to a, uh, to church or he was going to take her to the store or, you know, but anyway, he basically gets in this whole thing where he goes out there and, you know, nicely says he was going to take her somewhere. He kidnaps and kills her. Um, on June 17th, 1983, about nine months after she went missing, he leads them to her partial remains on the chicken ranch where he was living. He had some of the bones, that he had attempted to burn her in the stove at her house. No, at the chicken ranch. Oh, that's so, lovely. Um, he had, uh, buried some of her remains. And, um, then I think as police were getting closer, um, he starts to get worried about the fact that they might find her body. And so he starts bringing, um, this is gruesome, but he starts bringing pieces of her back to the ranch and then starting to uh, burn her this in the stove. Her. Yeah. Um, and then um, he does uh, lead them to the body in Denton of Becky. There was some confusion and this, you know, went back and forth over whether or not um, the police had actually found the body of Becky or if they had found the body of Becky's mother. And I'm not real sure exactly how that got so confused because Becky's mother had obviously passed, you know, years earlier, but, um, in this, you know, that he finally does direct them to, to where the body is. And then he also directs them to the rest of Kate Rich's body. Okay. When Luke is, leads investigators to Kate Rich's body. He admits that he actually had sex with her after she was dead. What? Are you kidding me? No. I mean, what in the, I know what possesses somebody to do that? I have, I'm, she's an old lady. Like, I mean, old lady, she's dead too. Oh my God. Oh my God. That's disgusting. Um, you know, there are these points when you read about these things that Lucas kind of confesses to where you think, gosh, this is, this man is such a liar. But then you also realize what a sick, twisted individual that he really was. Even if he's lying about that, that's just disgusting. Why would oh, you? Oh, I don't even... think he's lying about that. Okay. But if he's going to be such a liar, I mean, like, how do you make that up to make a lie up like that? That's disgusting. It's disgusting. I know. I know. It's horrible. It really is. Um, and actually, it's something that no one should ever have to hear happen to their grandmother. Sure. I mean, come on. So he was arraigned on June 21st, 1983, and in uh, Williamson County. 
At that point in time, he had admitted to the sheriff that he had killed 77 women. But when he's arraigned, he actually admits to the judge that he's killed 100. The judge said, well, um, the judge basically asks him if he's willing to help them figure out what this is. And Lucas, in the way that he loved to be the center of attention as a narcissist, just really wants to help out, I guess, or... Well, isn't that awfully kind of him? Yeah. Um, So over the next days, weeks, he increases the amount of people that he has killed from 77 to 100 to 156 to what is now thought of as over 600 that he confessed to. Are you serious? That he confesses to. Right, that he confesses to. What we're going to focus on on these episodes will be what he confesses to along the Texas killing fields to try to tie that back to some of what law enforcement was dealing with at this point in time, but also why some of those cases didn't get covered, why some of those cases are simply closed and don't have a resolution. Um, that's that's going to be the focus of you know the next couple of episodes however that being said if you are interested we are hoping to have some bonus episodes for people who subscribe to our podcast so if you are a monthly subscriber we are hoping to launch a few bonus episodes those episodes will be just episodes that we have come across along the way where we had a lot of information on Lucas, the confessions he made. Some of those cases have resolution and they turned out to be somebody completely different. Some of those cases are still open today. So look for those on um, Spotify or wherever you get a podcast, our podcast, and um, hopefully you'll subscribe to them. For now, um, we'll be working on our next couple of episodes, but I'll leave you with this. Some of Mrs. Rich's children forgave Lucas, saying that he was possessed by evil. They also stated that Mrs. Rich would have never wanted to leave her home and move into a nursing home, and maybe this was all part of God's plan. I don't know that I could be quite as forgiving for that, but they, that was how they chose to express how they felt. I'll tell you, they're a better person than me. Yeah, they're definitely a better person than me because I would want my mom to live out as much of a life that she possibly could. So, yeah, but thank you for joining us today.